0: Welcome to the Sexual Mindfulness Project podcast, where we talk about creating an intentional relationship and how to find joy in slowing down, letting go of judgment, and connecting more deeply with your partner. I'm Dr. Shalom Levitt, and today I'm here with Amber Price, Rebecca Clark, and Jenna Lawler. Today, we are going to talk about aging and sex. Let me tell a story about one time when I taught a, a sexual seminar. I was in a small group and uh, at the end of the seminar, people were explaining why this had meant so much to them. People had been really vulnerable with uh, within their Relationship. There had been some activities where people had talked about how they would improve and how they could use these tools that we had talked about. Towards the end of the sharing, there was an older couple. I'm guessing they were in their early 80s, maybe late 70s. And the man shared first. And uh, he started saying how grateful he was for this seminar because it gave him hope. It was interesting to me because at this point, he and his wife started to tear up and talk about how they had felt like this part of their life was over. That their sexual relationship had just diminished and they had ignored it. And they started to kind of buy into these attitudes that sex isn't as important as you age. And yet it had been to both of them and that touched them that there was this hope that they could rekindle this part of their relationship. And so I think that that's one thing that we need to address today is how so many socialized messages indicate that sex isn't important as you get past, you know, 40s or 50s, that somehow sex becomes less essential to the quality of your relationship. We actually know that's just simply not true. There's a really beautiful piece of research by Forbes and Eaton, I think that was in 2017, and they talk about something called sexual wisdom, that what they were actually able to show in their research was that sexual satisfaction doesn't have to diminish across the decades as you age, like so much research says. Instead, what they found is that when they were able to tease apart different groups of people, it was people who had put in time and effort into their relationship that actually had increasing sexual satisfaction across the decades. And what they called this, they called it sexual wisdom. It was because these people had put in the time and effort to really know their partner, to really value their preferences and their emotional needs and to spend time with them developing a relationship that endured across the decades. So I think that this sexual wisdom really ought to guide our discussion as we talk about sex and the aging process.
1: You know, I was actually reading an article this week that kind of goes perfectly with that. It's by Joel Hofer and colleagues, and it was looking into emotional intimacy and the connection with well-being specifically in aging couples. So it was European couples between ages 60 and 75. And what they found was that for both men and women, the emotional intimacy did positively influence their sexual well-being. And for women, the male partners emotional intimacy influenced her own sexual well-being. So I just I liked that it was, you know, as you're as you're aging and maybe your bodies are changing and you're having to overcome, you know, some physical challenges or whatever, that emotional connection becomes maybe even more important as you try to build that. And I think that just that goes perfectly with the Kleinplatz research that we've talked about before with the optimal sex and how connection and authenticity and some of those things matter so much, even more than some of the physical aspects. Like you can you can overcome physical challenges when you have that emotional connection and when you work on building that
0: piece. I really like that, Amber. And it reminds me of one other piece of research that's important to mention. And it's by Carpenter. I think it was in 2010. What they mentioned was that as men and women age, men do become more reliant on that emotional connection. In fact, the title of their paper is called emotional men, physical women, because women start to tune into their bodies a little more and start to enjoy the physical pleasure of sex even more than they did in their twenties and thirties. And, and we can kind of, those of us who have gone through some, some of the aging process can relate to that. It's like, once you kind of make it through those twenties and thirties, you know, your body, you're a little more comfortable. You've let go of some of your neuroticism. Right. And you're happy to say, this is what I need. This is what I would like to to see in our physical relationship. So I think that that's why we see women enjoying sex more as they age and men kind of relaxing and letting go of the physical pressure to perform and instead connecting with that emotional intimacy that they too have longed for.
2: I think part of the piece of um like the sexual wisdom piece that you're talking about Shalom that's so important is sort of that like you're saying like decrease in neuroticism but sort of that knowledge that you gain as you age and as you uh, spend time in a committed relationship that your relationship goes so much deeper than the physical and so it, it's becoming more comfortable with how even Even though your body, my body, it might be, I mean, it's, it's aging, it's changing. And it's like, it looks different than when we first got married. But I think I know now too, that, that my husband is committed to me and there's something really beautiful about that, that that I never would have guessed at the beginning of of our 20, we're almost into this 25 years. But I think you start to learn that the body doesn't matter as much as it once did. And so you you can really kind of pull to the forefront, um, emotions and that connection piece, let the body kind of the neuroticism surrounding body issues, kind of let that recede into the background. And it's kind it's a lovely place to be. You know, we know that sexual prime, we often think of as when you have the highest frequency of sex, which is usually around like 18 to 30. I'm looking at Sh- Shalom's research right here, but then we know that the most satisfying sex of, 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 over the lifespan is usually around 45 to 60 year olds. That's that's a really nice window. And I think it's in large part because of that decrease in kind of neuroticism and what what am I worried about? What are my goals here? I think they can shift and become more about connection and emotional intimacy. I think that's such a hopeful message
0: too, is that sex gets better the longer you work at your relationship. You know, for those of us who have committed to a relationship and we're seeing that relationship through our whole life it's good for us to know that if we continue to work at it if we continue to put those connections first in our relationships that sex will get better that the intimacy within our relationship will get better so that's a really beautiful message i love that i also think it's important because the realities are 43 percent of women in their lifetime will experience sexual dysfunction of some sort right arousal desire some sort of pain there's all sorts of sexual dysfunctions that women deal with men overall experience about 28% sexual dysfunction what's interesting though is most of that is accounted for in erectile dysfunction as men age that actually increases about 10% each decade so in their 30s, about 30% of men will have erectile dysfunction. In their 40s, about 40%. But of course, this is something that's really associated with aging. So in younger, younger decades, men generally don't have so many problems. They don't have sexual dysfunction. Women, it's pretty consistent over their lifespan. Um, and so how do we deal with sexual dysfunction? What do we do when these sorts of problems pop up? And occur in our life? If maybe it's low sexual desire or erectile dysfunction, how do we address that as a couple?
3: I think that the beautiful thing about aging and growing together as a couple when you've been married for a number of years is that you are comfortable with each other, that you have established and built this really loving and open relationship. And so you know that your marriage can work and you know your partner's needs. You're aware of what each other's, you know, as as you grow in sexual wisdom, you know what each other's needs are. I think that can help couples grow through sexual dysfunction because they're able to express what they're experiencing and what they need to be able to have, have a good experience when they're having sex. And in that way, you know, as couples age, They can explore more. They can try different things that help them feel connected and also feel sexual pleasure as they experience as they
2: experience these aging processes. That brings to mind um, just the importance, and we've talked about this on other podcasts, but the importance of having a kind of a sexual growth mindset. That because sex does change. In fact, I I remember hearing um, a friend say that the best advice she ever got, uh, premarital kind of sex advice that she ever got was that sex will change. Her mother had said sex will change and she wasn't quite sure what that meant, but she's understood that it does. It changes so much over the lifespan and as the context and situations around, you know, in your home life change, it it changes things, Uh, but, but approaching it with this growth mindset that, that when there is sexual dysfunction, that you, you can resolve that. And you, you can, you can talk about it. You can, you know, seek medical help if that's needed. But I think most of the time it's a simple sort of assessment together with, with your spouse and, and just talking through, you know, what's difficult for me or what's difficult for you right now. And, and having just an eye toward growth and an eye toward um, expansion and trying new things, uh, figuring out what works.
0: Yeah. I really like that. It, it's so critical for us to be willing to see each other's needs and attack the problem, not the person, right? So if it's low sexual desire that women are experiencing, or if it's erectile dysfunction that men are experiencing, let's separate the person from the problem. And together as a couple, we can, we can start to face the problem. What's really interesting is if you're limited in how you approach sex. You're gonna have very few tools once things go wrong. But if you're open to trying a different position or trying a different location or, you know, whatever, slowing things down, using more sexual mindfulness, trying different activities, then that will give you a much wider range of tools to draw from when something, you know, occurs. Like for example, as people age, some people start to have some chronic illnesses. Arthritis is a is a really prominent one. So imagine people who are struggling to keep their intimate relationship vibrant, because one of the partners is dealing with arthritis, there's aches and pains. And as arthritis progresses, you know, you have to be more creative. Do you use pillows to make sure you have the right position so that it takes pressure off whatever part of the body is experiencing arthritis, can you be creative to really meet each other's needs? And so all sorts of things can help people. But what what is most important is this growth mindset that you just mentioned, Rebecca, that we really feel united as a couple. And sometimes what's, what's problematic is that sexual dysfunction actually puts a wedge between the couple. That that's actually part of the conflict or the contention in their relationship. And there's where we can attack some really basic problems of intimacy and start to chip away at those problems and reconnect and build that intimacy despite the sexual dysfunction.
1: And I think going back to the mindfulness piece that you mentioned, Shalom, I think some of sexual mindfulness is is taking the goal orientedness and the judgment out of the situation and just spending time together in whatever way works for you and maybe that's not going to look the same as it did in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s or you know and you know maybe that doesn't mean intercourse every time or things like that just finding what works for you in a way that can connect you know in a strengthening way for you
0: yeah in fact that reminds me of some research um amber that the title of it is actually good enough sex And for some people that sounds kind of depressing. Oh, good enough sex. You know, it's, we always talk about sex. All the headlines are always, you know, mind blowing sex, best sex ever. And yet, you know what, that's not really necessary. What is important is that we keep that consistent connection with each other. Once in a while, it will be mind blowing sex. It will be the best sex you've ever had. But on a consistent basis, just having good enough sex keeping that constant connection with each other is really what's key. We know from research, people who haven't had sex, and I think the time frame varies from research study to research study, but generally, if you haven't had sex in the last 30 to 60 days, that's a big indicator of problems within the relationship. So sometimes we think, well, the conditions weren't just perfect. The children were knocking at the door or, you know, I we had things that we had to get done that we were both feeling anxious about. We need to make sure that our sexual relationship is a priority in our marriage.
3: Another interesting aspect of aging and sex is the monotony that can almost creep up if couples aren't actively trying to create new meaning in their sexual relationship. Like Rebecca's talking about the growth mindset. I think that that applies to changes in our bodies, but also to the meaning of sex. And how do you you keep the um, desire for sex alive when You know, you've been married for 30 years and you've been having sex for a long time. How do you keep it meaningful? And I think that, you know, the things that we've talked about have, you know, the sexual growth mindset
2: has potential to help with that. But what other thoughts do you have about that? I think just making, like we've said, uh, I think Shalom said it, but, but making... Making sex a priority. The thing that the aging offers sex is wisdom. And I think it also offers more time to be able to focus on it. There's data that show that younger children in the home can make it more difficult, especially for women to focus on sex. But once Once those kids are grown and gone, then you can focus a little more carefully on each other. So I think it's just prioritizing it and, and continuing to talk about it and knowing that while this emotional component and this maybe connection component and this time component gets kind of a a boon, maybe the physical elements are kind of taking a little bit of a, a little bit of a hit, but I think that those can balance each other out and, and just kind of thinking, um, and talking about, keep talking about it. I think that is one of the most important things. Like Shalom said, if, if it just kind of slips into obscurity, that's a shame because most people who have the health to do it are sexual all the way through their entire, you know, all the way up until the end of their lives. It's something enjoyed by older people. So I think just continuing to talk about it and prioritizing it.
0: I think one really nice way to look at it is to... Think about other things that have become routine in your life. Exercise, for example. We know we have to exercise, but sometimes it becomes monotonous and we, we don't really want to get out there on that run or that walk or... Um, and so we have to have strategies, maybe we'll take a run a different route, or maybe we'll run with a friend, or maybe we'll, you know, do interval training. And so sex can become monotonous. But when we put our mind to it, right, when we use this sexual wisdom that we've talked about, when we're open to new ideas, we can keep it vibrant, we can use these small opportunities for intimacy to kind of show some part of ourself that we haven't shown before. And mostly we're talking emotionally, right? We're saying, how can we be more emotionally vulnerable with each other so that the physical sharing becomes more vulnerable as well?
1: You know, I was thinking right along the same lines, Shalom. I was thinking maybe it's a little bit about the meaning that we give the experience. Also, I was thinking back a few years ago, just on date night, my husband and I have always done Friday night, date nights. And for some reason, I just started to feel like they were kind of getting stale. We were just always would go out to eat. And then we didn't really know what else to do. So we'd maybe drive around for a minute and then come back home and it was back to the kids and back to normal life. And I was kind of frustrated with it. And for whatever reason, we're still doing the same thing. And especially with COVID, that's all we, you know, we, we go get dinner, we sit somewhere in our car at a park and eat it. And we just have time to talk, but somehow the meaning has shifted in my mind. And I just, I absolutely love that. That's absolutely the highlight of my week. And so like the logistics haven't really changed, but it's the meaning I give it. And I wonder if that could be true a little bit with a sexual relationship also just, you know, when you can think about the meaning that you're giving it and think about, oh, this experience is literally just to help build this connection between my spouse and I, and just view it from that frame point, even some of the repetitiveness or whatever can still become meaningful because of what you're making it mean for you.
0: And I think that that lends itself, what you've just described lends itself to sexual mindfulness. You know, as we slow down that process and actually think about what has it taken for us to be where we are now and kind of appreciate how far you've come in your relationship and how the touch of each other maybe is more meaningful now than it even was at the beginning of the relationship because of the things that you've gone through, the things that you've sacrificed for each other, the disagreements that you've had, that you've been able to work out. You know, I think it's really beautiful as we slow down that process and start to think about the meaning, think about the sensation, and think about the purpose of this constant physical connection with each other.
2: I think so much has to do with expectations. Like Shalom said, it can become a problem. If we see our spouse as as a problem— rather than in maybe an invitation to reassess and to, to find something new and find some sort of new way to grow together as a couple. I think it has to do with expectations. We can't expect our bodies to remain the same from 20 to 40 to 60 to 80. They're going to be different, but I think we can have some pretty high expectations on learning and growing and finding new ways to connect in all ways, but sexually as well. And so I think adjusting our mindset through mindfulness is so genius because we let go of that judgment piece of ourselves, of our bodies, of what is, is, and isn't happening. It just is that's, that is how it, how it's going. And then we can judge ourselves less and connect even more.
0: I love that. I think that that is a really key element to being a successful aging couple when it comes to your sexual relationship is to kind of evaluate your expectations and see why is it that we thought sex had to look some particular way. I remember some couple coming up to me afterward talking about the fact that he had erectile dysfunction. And and so he kind of felt embarrassed, like if he couldn't perform in the way he used to, that he would just reject sex entirely and how that had created a lot of feelings in their relationship that were damaging. And I just asked the question, So, why does sex have to look that way? Why does it have to be intercourse? Can't it just be holding each other and other types of intimacy? You know, oral sex is not a bad tool to include, especially as you're aging because of the changes of so many. Functions in our body, slowing down sex. Like Amber suggested, we don't have to have intercourse every time. It can be, you know, other activities where we just touch each other. We feel that physical presence of our partner and know that we're connected. And not only that we're connected physically, but that emotionally we're there for each other to meet each other's needs, no matter what those are, no matter how those change. It's a beautiful thing when people have based their relationship on a friendship to begin with. If we've based our relationship on sex to begin with, we're in for a really bumpy ride because our bodies change so much and fail in a number of instances. And we have no control over that, but that shouldn't mean that our relationship then has to fail. If we've based our relationship on a friendship and we have that solid footing, no matter what is thrown at us, we can overcome it and we can meet it. And we can actually still keep creating intimacy through this sexual wisdom. That's it for this week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sexual Mindfulness Project and subscribe to our website, shalomlevitt.com to stay up to date with the latest information on sexual mindfulness. Thanks for listening.